Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we'll be reading Matthew 10, verses 1 to 15, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Matthew. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Matthew, chapter 10, verses 1 to 15. And he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits, to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simeon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. If it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than that town. This is the word of the Lord. This chapter is one of peculiar solemnity. Here is the record of the first ordination which ever took place in the Church of Christ. The Lord Jesus chooses and sends forth the twelve apostles. Here is an account of the first charge ever delivered to newly ordained Christian ministers. The Lord Jesus himself delivers it. Never was there so important an ordination. Never was there so solemn a charge. There are three lessons which stand out prominently in the face of the first 15 verses of this chapter. Let us take them in order. We are taught, in the first place, that all ministers are not necessarily saved men. We see our Lord choosing a Judas Iscariot to be one of his apostles. We cannot doubt that he knew all hearts, knew well the character of the men whom he chose, And he includes in the list of apostles one who was a traitor. We will do well to bear in mind this fact. Ordination does not confer the saving grace of the Holy Spirit. Ordained men are not necessarily converted. We are not to regard them as infallible, either in doctrine or in practice. We are not to make popes or idols of them and insensibly put them in Christ's place. We are to regard them as men of like passions, with ourselves liable to the same infirmities, and daily requiring the same grace. 
we are not to think it impossible for them to do very bad things or to expect them to be above the reach of harm from flattery, covetousness, and the world. We are to prove their teaching by the word of God and follow them so far as they follow Christ, but no further. Above all, we ought to pray for them, that they may be successors not of Judas Iscariot, but of James and John. It is a dreadful thing to be a minister of the gospel. Ministers need many prayers. We are taught in the next place that the great work of a minister of Christ is to do good. He is sent to seek lost sheep, to proclaim glad tidings, to relieve those who are suffering, to diminish sorrow, and to increase joy. His life is meant to be one of giving rather than receiving. This is a high standard and a very peculiar one. Let it be well weighed and carefully examined. It is plain, for one thing, that the life of a faithful minister of Christ cannot be one of ease. He must be ready to spend body and mind, time and strength in the work of his calling. Laziness and frivolity are bad enough in any profession, but worse of all in that of a watchman of souls. It is plain, for another thing, that the position of ministers of Christ is not that which ignorant people sometimes ascribe to them and which they unhappily sometimes claim for themselves. They are not so much ordained to rule as to serve. They are not intended so much to have dominion over the church as to supply its needs and serve its members. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 24. Happy would it be for the cause of true religion if these things were better understood. Half the diseases of Christianity have arisen from mistaken notions about the pastor's office. We are taught in the last place that it is a most dangerous thing to neglect the offers of the gospel. It shall prove more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for those who have heard Christ's truth and not received it. This is a doctrine fearfully overlooked and one that deserves serious consideration. Men are sadly apt to forget that it does not require great open sins to be a sinner in order to ruin a soul forever. They only have to go on hearing without believing, listening without repenting, going to church without going to Christ, and by and by they will find themselves in hell. We shall all be judged according to our light. We shall have to give an account for our use of religious privileges. To hear of the great salvation and yet neglect it is one of the worst sins man can commit. John 16 verse 9. What are we doing ourselves with the gospel? This is the question which everyone who reads this passage should put into his conscience. Let us assume that we are decent and respectable in our lives, correct and moral in all our relations of life, regular in our formal attendance on the means of grace. It is all well so far as it goes, but is this all that can be said of us? Are we really receiving the love of the truth? Is Christ dwelling in our hearts by faith? If not, we are in fearful danger. We are far more guilty than the men of Sodom 
who never heard the gospel at all. We may awake to find that in spite of our regularity and morality and correctness, we have lost our souls for all eternity. It will not save us to have lived in the full sunshine of Christian privileges and to have heard the gospel faithfully preached every week. There must be experimental acquaintance with Christ. There must be personal reception of His truth. There must be vital union with Him. We must become His servants and disciples. Without this, the preaching of the gospel only adds to our responsibility, increases our guilt, and will at length sink us more deeply into hell. These are hard sayings. But the words of Scripture which we have read, are plain and unmistakable. They are all true. That is the end of Ryle's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today. May the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for His 